Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. I'm glad to be back with you. Today we're going to be talking about a really interesting story that most people don't talk about much. Or if they do, they use it to justify all kinds of weird stuff. And we'll get to that. And it's funny because it's a very straightforward story with a very straightforward message. For a change, I guess you might be saying. But there's something really beautiful about this. Before I get there, though, I want to say that there's something really beautiful about this. I feel so blessed, and, and I don't believe in luck, and yet I feel lucky that I get to do this. This is a weird thing. We've been doing this for more than a year of me standing in my living room with a couple of cameras, with Raina in the corner making sure that the stream goes good and editing it and making that possible. More than a year of, of me and Jenny and, and other people typing comments in the sidebar of the YouTube movie when it goes by. More than a year of people sharing these messages in whatever way and, and gathering around. Sometimes people send me text messages of uh, screenshots of me on their TV in their living room. It's crazy, right? It's been more than a year of that. But as I say, I just feel so blessed, so fortunate that I get to be part of your ongoing journey as you work out your divinity, as you figure this stuff out, and more importantly, feel this stuff out. And this, this, uh, this Bible journey that we are on is coming to a close. We've only got one more week after this uh, of, of these lessons. But it's been so fulfilling. And I hope that you can go back and read your Bible with, with a different perspective. That it doesn't feel like this foreign weird book that you know you're supposed to read because you have to because Grandma said or something like that. That there's power in there, that there's a lesson in there, that there is liberation, that there is equality, that there's, there's inclusivity, that there is something for you no matter what part of life you're on. There's something for you that can make your life better, that can make you feel closer to answers, that can set somebody free. Because it's all in there. And what I'm learning as I read through the Bible for, oh gosh, how many times? Who can say? A lot. And I learn something new every time. I just want to say thank you. And with that in mind, let's begin our journey together today with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now there is truth. Right here and right now there is freedom. Right here and right now there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is and so it does. Amen. So our story today is from Acts 16 verses 16 through 40. This is about Paul and Silas in prison. And the metaphor is obvious right away. I don't have to say much about it. There are times in our lives when we feel trapped, when we feel like there's no way, when we feel like we have to do the thing that hurts or we can't do the thing we want or both or something else like that, right? 
We know what it feels like to feel like a prisoner of something. We know what it feels like to feel like we're stuck because of we would try to do the right thing. You know what that feels like. And if you know what that feels like, and I know you do, if you know what that feels like, then there is a message in this story for you. Acts 16, 16 through 40. In it we read that Paul and Silas are in uh, Macedonia, in the city. And they're walking around doing Paul and Silas things, and uh, this uh, slave girl starts following them around. And she's a fortune teller. She's, she's got this ability to, to see beyond appearances. She's been hanging out with Dion Warwick, Lady Diana. She knows these things. She can, she can read the vibes. I don't know. But the point is she sees stuff that other people don't see. And she says, loudly, following them around, a quote, These men are bond servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Isn't it interesting? She's uh, not read the same books Paul and Silas have read, not been the same places, probably doesn't believe the same things. Paul and Silas, not big on fortune tellers. You can tell from me, I'm not big on the Psychic Friends Network. It's not a thing for me. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Or let me at least say it's unimportant. Not to me. It's interesting that one of the messages we get right away is that she is earnest in her faith. And it gets her to that place that we've been talking about. I talked about it a lot last week. Being earnest in your faith will get you to the place where you know it when you see it. I want to remind you that just like we have been saying, just like it says in Lessons in Truth, just like it says everywhere, all faith works. This is one of the, the ongoing threads throughout all of these stories. I'm going to say it again. All faith works because it's faith. You get to a place where all gasoline will make your car go, right? Some of it, maybe the gas at 7-Eleven, not so good as the gas at the Shell station. I don't know, but you get what I'm saying. Maybe some of it's not as good for the car. But all faith works. Believe in what you believe, but let it get you to the place of expansion. That's the thing. Faith is not supposed to close you down. It's supposed to open you up. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions with church, with religiosity, with spirituality. I think so many times people think of faith as a, as a shield. People say, what's your faith? And what they're really asking sometimes is, what's your cubbyhole? What's the special uniform that you wear? What is your method and mechanism for exclusion? Think about it. That's how it's been used a lot of times, hasn't it? Maybe you've used it that way, not meaning to. It's been used against you that way, perhaps. You know what I mean. But if it's faith, it is supposed to open you, not restrict you. It's one of the ways that you know. This is a companion concept to that idea of you know it's God talking if it gives you a job to do. You know it's faith if it opens you up. Otherwise, uh, think about the other word that starts with F that doesn't open you up, that closes you down. That word is fear. <laughs> Some people might as well go, well, what's your fear? 
Well, I don't like people that marry differently than I say is okay. I don't like people that are a different color. I don't like people that have more or less money or vote differently or different height. I don't know. I don't like people who like avocado toast. What's your fear? Faith does not shut you down. And we see that in this story because the, the slave girl, the fortune teller, she doesn't know anything about who Paul and Silas are, where they've been, what they've read, what their mission is. And yet she knows it when she sees it. Again, all faith works, but all faith demands expansion. Let yourself be opened up by what's written on your heart. That's important. But Paul and Silas see her and they set her free. They say, you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to be a slave anymore. You don't have to work for your owners to read in tarot cards and whatever, tea leaves, uh, to make money for them. There is a bigger version of you. That little moment of faith that you experienced, fortune teller, when you saw us for who we are, that little moment can expand into a whole life if you let it. Paul and Silas set her free. Now that's beautiful, but that's a problem. Because you see, this fortune teller slave girl was making money for somebody, and now she's not. The prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, has killed the P-R-O-F-I-T. If you know what I mean, it took me a minute to spell that right. And that's a problem. But it's not a problem that we haven't heard of before. I mean, how many times have you realized that converting to something, falling in love with something, believing in something, means you can't do it the old way? It's amazing to me how many times people have asked me if they could have their cake and eat it too, even when the cake is awful. Conversion requires change. Change means that you might not be able to do things the old way. You can't have the old fears. You can't have the old standards. You can't have the old means of identification or mechanisms of comfort. You have to change some things. It's an important reminder that this story gives us. But the, uh, the magistrates, the bigwigs in town, see that Paul and Silas are making trouble. And they have Paul and Silas thrown into jail and beaten up and, you know, some probably stepped on their glasses, the whole thing. And this is, historically speaking, this is unfair. You can't just throw people in jail without cause, without a trial, without all that stuff. It's unfair. But in that time period... It's not something that you do to Roman citizens. This is important. The magistrates just assume that Paul and Silas are Jewish, and uh, the feeling is you can do whatever you want to them, just not Roman citizens. They don't realize that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. There's a problem here, a legal problem. But we'll get to that. Paul and Silas have been beaten up. Who knows, bad stuff has happened to them. And there they are in jail with no hope with no trial, no phone call, because no phones, no Miranda rights, no nothing. Can you tell I've been watching too much procedural uh, dramas? Anyway, ask yourself, what would you do? Would you bang on the bars? Would you try to dig your way out? Would you get in a fight? Would you cry in the corner? <laughs> what would you do? Would you try to call your mom? What would you do? It says in the Bible that Paul and Silas spend the night singing and praying. 
Nothing about this experience, negative though it might be, unpleasant though it might be, nothing about this experience has changed anything about Paul and Silas's sense of who they are and who God is and the relationship between the two. They don't let it. And I want to make that clear. I keep telling you, let yourself be changed. But what I maybe need to clarify is let yourself be changed by what is true on the inside, not what happens to you on the outside. And that's an important distinction that maybe I don't hit hard enough, so let me do that now. Paul and Silas continually open to a greater expansion of their relationship with spirit. But sticks and stones, man, don't affect that at all. Paul and Silas spend the night singing and praying. And we read in the scripture that there is an earthquake. Not a surprise for us after everything we've read and seen and experienced and felt. Of course stuff happens in the outer when you are sure on the inside. There's an earthquake and... As a result of the earthquake, the, the doors are opened to the jail. The chains, not just on Paul and Silas, but on everybody in that jail, the chains are broken. The jailer comes in the next morning and sees that the doors are open and sees the chains on the ground. And I think he thinks he's out of a job. And this is not the kind of thing where you start worrying about your cobra and uh, you start f figuring out your finances. This is like, you're going to be in jail. Death penalty, uh, you know, feed you to the lions kind of stuff. So the jailer gets ready to kill himself. Because it seems like a better choice than admitting to your bosses that you weren't paying attention and everybody's gone in jail. But Paul and Silas, you got to read this. It really is great. But Paul and Silas basically say, hey, hey, don't worry. We're still here. We didn't go anywhere. We are holding up our end of the bargain. It's interesting, isn't it? They know that they are bound by deeper and higher laws than anything that the Roman government can give them, and yet they fulfill the obligations of where they are now in life. This is important. Do what you're supposed to do. But remember who you are. It's a good balance. So the jailer sees that they could have left. He sees that there's been an earthquake. And the jailer says, clearly you know something I don't know. I think in a way, it's a little bit of a, of a different version from a different perspective of what Paul must have thought when he thought about Stephen. Remember we talked about this last week. I see now that You've got something that not only I don't have, but I didn't even know about. I wanted, but I didn't know that I wanted. You know, those moments. It's beautiful. And it's really beautiful to see it from another perspective. It's the same feeling, I think. But the jailer says, I get that something amazing has happened here. I get that you are in touch with that. So please tell me, what do I need to do to be like that, to feel that? What do I need to do? to be saved from my own ego, my own fear, my own ignorance. What do I need to do? And I want you to ask yourself, 
As you think about that part in the story, you put yourself in the jailer's uh, sandals, I suppose, and you think about that for a minute. Ask yourself, do you think the jailer is responding to the miracle, you know, the earthquake and all that? Or do you think the jailer is responding to Paul and Silas's response to the miracle? Is he responding to the miracle, or is he responding to the way that Paul and Silas are throughout it? Ask yourself, what triggers you? And I'll leave you to that. But the jailer and his family go with Paul and Silas. They take Paul and Silas into their home, and the jailer and his family are baptized. And the jailer uh, feeds them and clothes them, and he helps them. And you get the idea. He says, just go out the back door. You know, I'll deal with this. But they won't go. They go back to jail. They fulfill their end of the earthly bargain. But something happens, and I mentioned it before. The magistrates realize that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. They realize that they messed up. You don't do that. And so they ask Paul and Silas, will you please go? Go quietly. Don't tell anybody. But here's the thing. Paul and Silas refuse to go unless and until the magistrates take responsibility. They will not go quietly. Faith demands accountability. And this is a lesson that can be applied in all kinds of areas of life. I mean, I'm a child of God and nothing on earth can bind me and yet I still stand up for what's right and I still vote, for example, or whatever. I have strong feelings about politics and the environment and you name it. Follow me on social media and you'll get an earful and an eyeful and you'll be sick of it in five minutes. But the idea is it's important to feel ways about things and more important to do things about things. Every hero in Scripture demonstrates the, the importance of speaking truth to power and standing up for what's right. But more than that, this is a story about how, yes, you are bound by divine law, but you are in a material situation. You must honor both. You get to figure out how that works. You get to keep the perspective and remember that you belong to God, but here's where you are right now. But you must do both because you've got to live in the world. It's one of the things that Paul's really good at teaching, and we're going to learn more about that next week too. One of the lessons here is that you are called upon to stand up for the truth. Notice that Paul and Silas don't sneak out the back door after the earthquake because what they have here is a teaching opportunity, an opportunity to heal a lot of people, to teach a lot of people, to help a lot of people. Don't cheat. It's part of the lesson. Don't try. It reminds me a little bit about the story of Joseph and the, the many-colored coat when he was in slavery and it ended up being exactly where he needed to be to save Egypt. It reminds me a little bit of the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Um, it reminds me a lot of stories. I think sometimes one of the deepest teachings, one of the things that has helped me the most, and it's so funny because I don't know where I got it from, but it's something that I heard when I was a little kid, and it stuck with me all my life, and it goes like this. You ready? Look for the second right answer. 
Now, it doesn't always apply, but boy, when it does, it really does. Look for the second right answer. In other words, there might be times in your life where you are like Paul and Silas, and the first right answer is, hey, there's been an earthquake. Let's get out of here. There's been a lot of times when the first right answer is the thing that appeals to your ego or your pocketbook. But there's a deeper answer that means a little bit more work that makes a huge difference in your life. The first right answer might be the one that gets you out of the current trouble but keeps you in the current cycle. And the second right answer is the one that changes and shifts the paradigm. You having trouble in your life? Look for the second right answer. One of the lessons is don't struggle. Hold fast to what's true. Find your version of singing and praying. And watch what happens. It's a reminder that the only way out is through, like I always say, And I think more than anything else, it's a story about how the miracle isn't the point of the miracle. It sounds cryptic, but it's true. The miracle isn't the point of the miracle. Think about how many times that's the case. The the, the trick, the magic, the moment, that's not why it happens. That's not the lesson. Jesus walking on water is not a lesson about here's how you can avoid getting damp. Think about it. How many times? The parting of the Red Sea isn't a lesson about that either. The miracle isn't the point of the miracle. And that's an important thing to remember because I got to tell you, there's a lot of places you can look for. You can find a, a, a pop spirituality book or somebody talking somewhere on a Sunday morning talking about how awesome they are because something happened. But the thing isn't the point of the thing, if you know what I mean. The miracle isn't the point of the miracle. The earthquake isn't the point of the story. At best, it's a sidebar. I think sometimes we pray for big uh, Cecil B. DeMille things to happen when the truth is what, what those things ought to be teaching us is how to be nice, how to love something, how to move forward with a little bit of dignity and a little bit of peace. The miracle is just a reminder The lesson for you is it's wonderful when big things happen and they will and they do and they have. Look at your life. But don't get caught up in that. Let yourself be defined by your ability to pray and sing and love and know it when you see it. Let yourself be defined not by your ability to break chains, by your ability to set somebody else free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to these stories. Thanks for sharing your comments. I've gotten some great comments about the things that we've been talking about. Keep them coming. Please share these messages and like and subscribe and all that. I love it when I hear that somebody found uh, these YouTube channels because they saw it on somebody else's Facebook or somebody sent them an email or they said, hey, come over to my house. We'll have brunch and we'll do that. Doesn't happen much right now, but it does happen every once in a while. Be safe, but spread the word, right? I love it. I want to remind you that the last Saturday in May, May 29th, we're planning our first in-person event. It's going to be late afternoon, early evening. It's going to be right here in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. Uh, I will keep you posted as as far as more of the details, but you can follow my newsletter if you go to my website, waypastok, W-A-Y-P-A-S-T, okay.com and and sign up for the newsletter there or just follow on social media. I will keep you posted, but mark your calendars, May 29th. As always, I want to remind you that 
We couldn't do any of this without your financial support. And you can support the church by going to donate.waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for doing so. Let's hold those gifts of love and substance in our minds and in our hearts as we bless our offering together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. And so it is and so it does. Amen. And as always, I want to remind you that wherever you are, you're not there alone. Around here, we pray as one family. Let's share our dedication. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.